This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me You're not gonna do nothing, you are not above me I bet you wish you was me, I know that I know What is poppin' everybody? And welcome back to another special episode of the Only Friends Podcast. Well, you know, it's me and my only friends, which includes, but is not limited to, Tortoo! What, what the fuck, Tortoo? Oh, sorry. What the fuck? <laughs> the fuck's wrong, bro? I didn't have it in my hand. I didn't know you were throwing it to. You Look around the room. Friends. It's only going to you. That's true, yeah. I my mean. God. Could have went to Guapo. He got it last week. Could have went to Guapo. He gets it once a week. Yo, we got less than a week till we have uh, baseball. What? That's right. Spring training starts Saturday. Games. Yeah, we the, got games. The Yankees have Juan Soto. I know. The Yankees have Juan Soto. Yogi, and Yankees. Jones. Yankees are gonna be good this year. I don't Yankees know are about be that. Good. Aren't they good like every year though? No. no, they didn't make the playoffs last year. We've been sucked for the last ten years. No. It's been a while. Yeah, Judge is good. The Yankees. Judge is the best. The Yankees or Mets guy. Yankee. I am a Yankee first. Yeah. And then Mets. Right. It's like Rangers, then Islanders, Yankees, like, the Mets. Are you Jets first and then Giants? Um, actually, I'm pretty uh, unilateral when it comes to football. <laughs> are you from Long Island? Yes. How is it Rangers, then Islanders? Because I've been a Ranger fan. That'd be like me saying it's the Eagles, then Steelers. No, it is not. It's a mm -hmm. fucking 15-minute drive from one Coliseum to the other. Aren't the Islanders on Long Island? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you live close. You live closer to Pittsburgh, but you vote. You wrote, you root for Pitt or Penn State over Pitt. Yeah, so. well, that was because I got indoctrinated. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm first of all curious how we're getting from Long Island to Madison Square Garden in 15 minutes. I mean, by train it's 25. No traffic, it's 20. Bridge and tunnel crawl, bro. Man, I feel like he measures <laughs> distance in time the way that I measure distance in time. Well, Burke. I mean, that was clear from the Connie Dixon line. <laughs> I no, gotta the say, Dixon line is absolutely but, but like you know, I'm plus or minus like five minutes. I used to say we, we live 15 minutes from the city, which it's where I grew up it was probably like closer to 20. For Lamanna, it was like 65 minutes or that, so. That's a nice 30 year old shirt you, you got like there. That? Yeah, yeah. I wish I ever. Got, I wish I got one. I know, Warden, your honor, big <laughs> guy. Oh, is that the? That's the that's shirt. That's the shirt. This is the one. Ah oh, man, wait a amazing. minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That was wait a that wasn't your outfit shirt. This was just a shirt you got for making the team. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, of course. This is our warm-up jersey, baby. You have warm-up jersey for baseball? We had real uniforms. I mean, we ain't fucking around. And taxi takes 34 minutes. Okay. Yeah, but like, I guess for high school baseball teams, they didn't have like... Landon, you were negative five years old when, he, was, had, when he got that shirt. This was not high school, big guy. This uh, I was 12 <laughs> years old when I got yeah. this shirt. How are you wearing a shirt for when you were fucking 12? 30-year-old shirt, man. What do you mean? You don't got a 30-year-old shirt? No. Well, that seems like a mistake. You've well, just, a uh, shirt. You stayed the same size since you were the right no. age of 13. No, this is like, this that is so like, big on me. It's like, like a, fitting. Uh, if Here, I'll stand up. I'll show you. It's, uh, How is that? It has a fucking it whip fits. in it. Of course it does. It's 30 years old. I'm surprised it only has one. No, no, no! But like, no. It, it literally you could fits, never though. get rid of that shirt. Like, I still have the powder puff it's, shirt. Uh, too. How how fat were you? Well, I was fat, but this is you know they, they <laughs> didn't fat, they didn't size us. They just gave us all an XL. So, oh, okay. Wait, <laughs> Everybody what? just got an XL. It wasn't it's, like you got a size. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. maybe like the you know the mighty Mike kids that were like five four buck ten. They were like, eh, we'll give them a large. Can't believe those assholes made it to over me. 
<laughs> Shout out to Chris Simon. <laughs> John Bologna. Oh, they were little guys. We literally called this kid Big Man because he was like not big mm. at ironic all. Ironic nickname. Very ironic. Um, yeah, you know, when, thinking back on it around that time frame, sizing for everything in the early 90s was just, you wore two sizes up. Bet mm-hmm. sizing, shirt sizing, same thing. Same thing. Didn't matter. Well, yeah, I was yep. betting the penny jar back then. Right. Uh, big sizing. Yeah, like my t-shirts, I think I, I used to wear like XL, double XL type of shirts. Oversized. You were before your time. Imagine being like 12 years old. I was, I was maybe like 5'8", a buck 30, buck 35 tops, mm-hmm. and I'm just swimming in a double yeah, well, XL. But, but, but in the 90s, baggy clothes were very in. Super in. They're yeah. in now. Like oversized, yes. oversized. Comes back stronger than everything comes back. Trend, they're, you know? they're nowhere near as in as what they used to be. Yeah, I think yeah. they're only in for really skinny dudes and small, I mean, it's, small girls. It's not even guys. Like baggy pants aren't a thing. Period. No, they definitely are for, especially for like small women. No, for for men, I'm talking about baggy pants are not a thing. Uh, anymore. They're gone. Yeah. It, well, it's it's one or the other, right? Like either you wear the joggers that are like skin tight or you go for the triple XL or you go for the double oversized look like the big sweatshirt Mm. yeah the big sweatshirt hammer pants pants. I would implore everybody (laughs) to go out today if you go outside look at everybody's pants I bet you you'll never see baggy pants like the 90s again it's like streetwear though it's like it's like like you're never gonna see the fucking echo the type of pants the Django type of pants that was running around Mm. the 90s early 2000s I mean, we grew up in rural Pittsburgh, man. We didn't see either of those. We I saw mean, the you, skater. Yeah. The skater bag. Yeah. Skater boy. We saw yeah. a lot of Skechers mm-hmm. shoes. Avril Lavigne was there. So see you later, boy. I a mean, lot of... Uh, I feel like these type of clothing were for your... your Demographic? Your demographic, your fucking where you live. He doesn't know where he lives. He can't point it out on a map. That's true. Good point. <laughs> I'm not great with maps. That's true. Uh-huh. Q... Uh, Q. Where's that state? Q the map. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Freud says, <laughs> can, the, the map. can the peanut gallery get a review of Elliot Rowe's book, A Game Poker? We actually are going to be doing a review well, on would it. Would you look at this? It's right here. It is right here. Right Shout here. out to Elliot. I am, Sent us all I, a copy. I am going to take take it home one of these days and read it. It's well, just been sitting on the You should do it today table. because we're probably going to do a review shortly. Just read it right now. I would hope. Chapter 12. Uh, <laughs> from knowledge to action. He's going to read for us. At the us. start of this book, I said... Okay. <laughs> Plan will be within the next couple of weeks. Depends on how fast these guys can read. Uh, so, did see- uh, 2028 for me. Okay. <laughs> well, I read 10 pages a day. The turtle reads slow. I, I'm Conrad a, listen, reads jumbled words. I like to do things slow fast. and steady. I just can't read too much. I'll get the whole book done, but it's going to take a while. That's you a, just give me a chapter, and then I'll I'll, I'll read it. That's, a, that's, a, that's a sick excuse. And then I'll read the entire book on my own time. The irony that Conrad thinks he's a speed reader, I think, is the most <laughs> beautiful takeaway of all. Mm. I read pretty fast. Have I you just, ever seen that video of the guy that's like, I'm the fastest reader of all time? And he like has a book and just goes... That's also why I can't read out loud. Because I like skip ahead. I just read quick, very quick. I skim shit. I don't like... His mouth isn't as fast as his brain. Right. Right, but mm-hmm. somehow he arrives at the. Bleh. That's because that's what's it's it's vomit, that's right? Catching up. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh. It's, uh, it's brain is processing. Yeah. It's, it's like word salad, but not salad. Just jumble. <laughs> but I also can't mm, read more than salad. ten pages. <laughs> right. Right. Because limited attention span. Yes. That it just collapses. No, I just get really fucking bored. Hey, man, ten pages is a lot. That's enough for seventy-five hard. That is enough for seventy-five hard. You should get on it, Conrad. You're two-thirds of the way through. Yeah. Nah. I am. Today was day 50, maybe? 50. Or last night was day 50? I can't remember. Wow. Uh, really, hit, really hit a plateau. 
I lost like 20, I think I lost like 27 pounds in the first 30 days. And now I've like gained back a half pound. How mm. do you feel now versus then? Like body wise? Uh, Not I like feel, progress wise, like just mental. Oh, mentally. I mean, look, I, th this isn't really a 75 hard challenge, right? I'm just like following the rules of a arbitrary thing. This is just everyday life. You're doing the thing. Yeah. Like I'm just tracking now. That's the only real difference. Um, I think that there's a much harder version of this that I could put myself through if I had enough focus to put that much time and energy into something like, like a prop bet yeah maybe maybe if uh it came down to that but like you have to understand like what sean did was you know a full-time job uh and don't get me wrong if that could be my full-time job i would happily accept it i would love to just be goggins or uh, maybe not goggins he's a little bit sick yeah uh he's but you lot. know a little like, bit like these guys that are out there that are spending eight hours a day scrutinizing everything they eat, uh, you know, coming up with multiple workouts, like, you know, doing the, doing the thing. Like bodybuilder-esque. I don't want to be a bodybuilder. Right. No part of me wants to be a bodybuilder, but I want to be a functional mover. I want to be an athlete. I want to be uh, athletic and in, involved in those endeavors. But it's like, you know, if, it's, if you're putting enough time in it where it's a full-time job, uh, you have to be either incredibly wealthy already or have a, an ability to make money without putting any effort into it. Sick physique mm. plus marketing funnels. Yeah. Get good at Instagram. No, I, no, I don't think so. Too old for that. We, uh, it's not even about being too old. It's just, it's very saturated. We haven't got our, uh, we, we went to the doctors on, uh, we when as I said in we as in me. You? We uh, okay. on Friday. We're down, can we, we're down can like, we get rid of the war, royal yeah. we? You and uh, Hunt love it. I know. I'm down uh, 12 pounds since Hunt's the last time I was there. Let's go. Okay. So that's good. That's um, great. Tony's, Tony's proud. Tony is proud. Um, <laughs> I didn't get the blood work back yet because... Right. Um, it takes some time. It for, well, no, it, it shouldn't take that much time. But it was on a Friday, so then there's a weekend. And then, you know, today's a holiday, which I'm sure you have so no wait, idea we, that today's a holiday. Oh, today's President's Day? Yeah. Is it yeah, today's the 20th? I'm, I'm very... Fuck. I'm very impressed that you knew it was, it's not the 20th, it's the 19th. Oh, okay. But it's always the it's always the last Monday in February. Yeah. Right? Uh, my dad's birthday is tomorrow. Or is it the last Monday? I don't know. Probably can't be the last Monday. Wait, Why are you Monday? saying fuck? You figured it out the day before. Because I just thought yeah. today was the 20th. Uh, um, maybe it's the third Monday in February. Uh, yeah, because there's one more left. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would make sense. Um... Yeah, okay, so today is apparently a holiday. Who cares? Yeah, so hopefully tomorrow we get the results. We'll see what the... What was the line on the T? Are, uh, are we making a bet? 525 was 525, the line. 525, yeah. I'm, I'm taking under 525. Yeah. I'll take the over. Okay, what do you want to book? Uh, $1. Okay, so one empanada. <laughs> you can pay me in bone broth. <laughs> you got it. I um, like that Guapo has faith in me, though. So like a tablespoon of it? Yeah. I, I think... I don't know where, I don't know where it'll be. I, I don't no think idea. it's going to be far one direction or the other. Yeah. Um, what but, would be what would what would be really bad if I got it back and it said I sub, think anything over like two sorry anything under two hundred two fifty is considered low at your I, age. I would I would be concerned much higher like anything under three I would be very concerned. Okay. Personally, I, I, if it's under three, I'll be concerned too. Yeah, personally, I, I mean, even if it's like under five, I would mm -hmm. probably actively try to. You're forty one. Improve it. Forty. 42. 40. Easy. It's not August yet. Well, I'm 42, 42 so therefore. <laughs> Listen, we're the same age, Burke, for at least the next few you, months. You guys are like middle age. 
We've been middle-aged. No, I know. I just, yeah. It just clicked, you know? You'll be middle-aged in like 10 years. He's 34. That's middle-aged. Think he'll have his license by then? No. No. I don't I think, think he'll ever car, have his cars license. will be just like rendered useless by the yeah. time well, he gets I mean, it already is. He couldn't even get it started you, this week. No, no, in 10 years, nobody's going to need a license because the car is just going to drive itself. What What do you think? AI is unbelievable. What, what's the middle-aged right crisis going to look like for Landon's generation? Like, it's not going to be a sports car. It's not going to be a busty blonde. Yeah. The thing is, but Landon, Landon's the age expectancy is probably like 120. So like 60 is middle age for Landon. It's going to be a busty with blue hair. What do you mean? It's going to be like an anime fucking character. Yeah. 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 That's what it happens. No, it's going to be. Yeah, it's going to come it's, full circle. It's going to be an AI generated <laughs> big, <laughs> big titty anime girl sex doll. Wow. That's, that's wow. Look at that drop. Oh, I, was, I was right. Look, 41 is right around 300, just under 300. Yeah, but this is the entire population of people who get their blood work done. Not like just healthy individuals. Like there's a lot of unhealthy individuals included. You in consider that. me a healthy individual? I would, yeah. yeah. I, I would be, basically if you're around the, 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 the populace, I would be very concerned. Right. Those numbers are always going to reflect something slightly worse. That makes sense. More unhealthy people than healthy. Right. Uh, yeah, I could see this. Big titty, blue haired, anime... AI girl. Did you guys hear that? This probably exists already. What? You didn't hear that? Hear what? The goalpost just moving. <laughs> I won this one, guys. <laughs> I was right. Berkey uh, was wrong. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on. Okay, sure. I mean, I also went to a clinic that told me oh, 150 was normal. Do you just hear the goalpost moving? Berkey's ever going to let anybody win? win Wait a minute. Hold like, on. Is it, do you hear the goalpost moving? Do you see the goalpost well, moving? Both. Both. It's pretty heavy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling. Look, whatever you want to say is fine, but if you're in your 40s and your testosterone is 300, you should be concerned. Very, very, very concerned. Maybe he Guapo has 300. It sounds like he might. Nah, I'm in the middle. <laughs> in the middle of what? Yeah, like 450, 500. I can't remember, but it was in the fours mm -hmm. or fives, something like that. I think. I think if you like, well, obviously, like maybe what the recommendation is is wrong, but I, I think the recommendation is like anything above 250. Yeah. Well, yeah, you'll right. live. You know? <laughs> Congrats. I'm saying, I'm saying is, is it You're a healthy alive. range? Right, but they're judging. My definition of healthy and theirs, I see, think, are very, very, very Why far, does it drop obviously. off so hard? Because uh, a lot mold. of your... Yeah, well, yeah, well, a lot of your hormonal systems that, just right? shut down. Like, yeah. you know, you don't have your pituitary really active any longer. Uh, stop producing GH because you're supposed to decay and die. Yeah, because you're not in <laughs> in peak uh, reproductive age. You don't need. To, so you don't have. To, you right. don't have to hunt. You yeah. don't have to reproduce. You don't right. have to provide for the tribe, so to speak. Sad. Right. right. So like their version, their version yes. of healthy is you don't fuck no more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like oh, you're 46 with ED. That's that's healthy. Right. Don't, don't even sweat it. Uh, here's the unfortunate thing for you, Landon. By the time your prefrontal—not just you, but everybody—by the time your prefrontal cortex fully develops at 25, my frontal lobe. Yeah, you have like three good years left before you start to hit the decline. Like right around 28's peak for men. And then from there, everything starts. Is to it downhill looks. or is it like 32? It's very gradual. I mean, you know, yeah. I think you're not going to just be like, yeah, it's late 20s. Yeah, 28 is like when we hit our hormonal peak and then it's a very gradual listen, decline Landon, until your 40s. Listen, listen, just keep eating raw eggs and hit the gym and you'll be fine. I'll be fine, but like... No, you'll be good. You'll be, be good. artificially... You know oh, what? That's what More does. eggs, less ice cream, you'll be fine. That's, I haven't had ice cream in a while, but like that's, that's, uh, that's what TRT is supposed to do, right? 
Well, yeah, at some there's, point. Yeah, but CRT, there's a, like, isn't there like tons of like side effects to it? Depends. Yeah. Uh, not uh, not especially <laughs> if uh, if you're taking like you know small doses, maintenance doses or whatever. Yeah. Like it depends if you go through a doctor or do you go through like you know <laughs> a guy on the street? <laughs> do you go through a friend? Fucking a, a guy friend. whose veins are bigger than your biceps. Like well, that's what we want, right? Well, well. <laughs> Jeremy Beck Very is not vascular. eating ice cream. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was a bad attempt at a segue. You're you're not reading run of show. No, 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 I'm not segueing. I'm just saying he's probably not eating ice cream. Uh, all right. So let's get, get to a few it. things. There's there's some news and notes that happened around the the community. First and foremost, Kitty and Frankie they had their baby. Yeah. Congratulations, oh, congrats, to guys. Those two. I just, was there when this love story started. You were. I was. It was on the street WPT stream. It was. It was. It was very um. Aww. It was a beautiful thing. <laughs> was it, it? It was a beautiful thing. It looked like You're so cute. It looked like <laughs> it looked like coercion to me. <laughs> God, it was you, one. You go on a date with me right now. <laughs> that was one of. The, if you win this hand, we go on date. <laughs> it was one of the funniest. It really shits was. Ever. It really you win, was. you win, we go on date, we lose, we go on a date, and they chopped the first run out. So technically, yeah, it was the tens versus queens. Yeah. I remember this honestly. It was like, man, what great entertainment. Like, imagine if uh, if this past year of their relationship could have just been a reality show. Mm-hmm. Like, Man. what a story right. arc. Yeah. They play together. They go on a couple dates. One year later, they have a baby. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't write this shit. Incredible. It's, uh, it's sick lore. That's for sure. That is true. Uh, so big shout out to those two. We're happy that the baby's healthy and happy. Uh, unlucky Frankie's for Kitty. Frankie's my age and a dad. That's crazy. Is he, oh, I thought he was younger than you. No, like roughly the same age, okay. I think. Maybe a year younger. What, what do you mean that's crazy? This kid's fucking six years younger than you having twins. <laughs> no, I get that. It's just like, it's just like to me, like he doesn't have a driver's license. Of course, it's crazy to him. <laughs> no, just like the front, the frontal lobe's not even there yet. Yeah. You can't picture yourself being a father right now. No, absolutely not. They're terrified. <laughs> I'm not even. I'm, not, I'm barely right, like a sensible adult. You can hardly can like take care of yourself. I can take care of myself, but I don't want to take care of someone else. Right. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that that's crazy. Crazy. For real. You can take care of yourself, but I feel like if like a monkey wrench gets thrown in your life, then you kind of get a little monkey wrench. Right. I don't want a so monkey like a, a kid. You know, would that's, be, a, that's not a monkey wrench. That's, that's, a, that's a human being. Right. <laughs> but I'm saying like, you know, when you have children, you probably there's probably going to be some monkey wrenches along the way. Probably. But if like, you got a brain solve in real time. I guess it, like with, well, with the whole kid thing, it's like, okay, like I will be very aware if like I even want to call it be a dad, yeah, that I'm prepared for mm-hmm. child. Yeah, all right. I've decided this makes sense. No children before then, so probably not. Okay, use protection. <laughs> also, I, I don't know where the picture went. It seems to have disappeared. But Frankie's low key shredded. By the way, sleeper yeah. build for real. Bro, bro is not skipping leg day or arm day or any, any day. day for that matter. His T isn't under 200. No, he's, <laughs> he's, he's out there ripping it. Uh, we're happy for them. Sleeper Be excited to see you guys get back. Oh, on. There it is. Oh, Man, yeah. Just got it pulled up. Damn. Let's go. Bro, bro ain't messing around. Bro have a pump before this picture? <laughs> <laughs> nope. That's how that's walking. That's walking that's weight. Walking weight. Yeah. Goals. Um, Big shout out to Lily Newhouse, former Academy attendee. She had one hell of a weekend. So mm-hmm. we had our own daily crusher. She went out there. She shipped the 165 p.m. Right. For 4,600, no big deal. But that that pales by comparison. Do you want a different daily? 
Yeah, she did win a different daily. What, what was this? A this was not a circuit event, correct? This it was, was, oh, it was the OC. no, no, it's not a circuit event. Oh. It's an online championship. Right. No ring, no hardware. She said, but uh, you know, the fifty-two thousand kind of makes up for it. But yeah, yeah so this nice. is the OC main event. Looks like that series just came to a yeah, close. It was a, it was a five twenty-five. Shipped it for fifty-two k. Oh, you saw who got third? Who? Toby. Did he? Oh, Toby yeah. time. Toby time. All right, Toby. Congrats to Toby. Yeah. Dust uh, Pistons in there, you know. Look, you see the UK flag. Mm-hmm. I don't know yep. why I always thought that was Ankush. Oh, <laughs> shout out to Ankush too. He final tabled the no, yeah. one. Oh, he won. Yeah, he, he won, won the it? Venetian sixteen hundred. I feel like oh, he won it. I feel I like Cush's I feel like Cush's uh full tilt name was like Dust Pistons or something like that. Maybe C- Toby stole Cush's, it. Cush's uh WCP name is Rick Ross the B. Yeah, I knew that yeah. actually. You're right. I could see like Toby just fucking with them and like stealing his name like when they made, made right. his account just that's to mess what, with uh, them. That's yeah. what like some of the online stars guys did for ACR. Yeah. Like uh Linus's name on ACR is um Born to Tilt, which is a uh, Stars Rag. Mm. Like that name. So like they steal each other's names and shit, so I think mm-hmm. it's kind of each other, but it's not. Right. It probably, members, doesn't work, you know? it probably doesn't work quite as well whenever you're an elite player stealing another elite, elite player. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's worse. Yeah, like, yeah, just like mid-in-community yeah. troll, you know, just the high-stakes memers. Well, you're Berkey 11 on... Yeah. Oh, on what? Don't worry about it. Well, I'm not allowed to say. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere that I don't have an account. Yeah. Man, that's Cock amazing. Sucker. It's pretty <laughs> sick, actually. <laughs> I shouldn't bluff a river on Berkey 11. <laughs> Never. Never. <laughs> I probably shouldn't even uh, do that pre. Just start right. limping. People will really believe it. Don't bluff the river and don't call rivers because they know you're. Yeah, they know, they know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, you... I can say because I mean, I played on GG uh, for Vancouver. Yeah. I just didn't know if you wanted people to know. Oh, it was I don't you. care. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, okay. very few people will know. Action dealer. Yeah. Is not his name. It's Berkey huh? 11 on GG. Berkey 11. Yeah, but I'm saying on WSOP. Oh. Yeah, they know that. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be there soon. Yeah, that's true. Um, did you guys happen to see that Durr got called out by Peter Jetton for owing quite a large <laughs> What's debt? What's the lore between them? They were best they were friends. friends. Yeah, like, I don't yeah. know like, these things, right? Inseparable. Um, so <laughs> that picture. <laughs> <laughs> Barry's really fucking good at the memes, man. <laughs> yeah, he's he's really good at the memes. Um, so yeah, I, I mean the the very quick cliff notes of the backstory of the come up was do you guys know the book ship at hollow ballas heard yeah. of never read okay highly highly recommend everybody reads it that's our new uh, book club i mean especially for you because uh i think it gives you insight into like my generation a lot more um and it's it's gonna be one of those books maybe not because maybe it was written too early where nobody's gonna care at some point but it reminds me I'm sure you've never heard of this, but Lamanda will know, like Positively Fifth Street. Uh, that was like the big book when we came up and it kind mm-hmm. of like spoke to the the culture of of being a professional poker player and like what it was like. It really gave you a good, uh, I, I guess, purview. And I don't even think it was a true story. I think it might've been uh, fictional, might but, have been. Does, but either uh, way. Does the Shipper Hala Balas have anything to do with Dan Smith Hala? No. Okay. Well, uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> so the the crew that the book was written about the core of it was Robel, Durr, um, Galfond, ben- Benefield, Galfond, and uh, was Benedy Six part of it? No. Okay. Uh, and then um, Peter Jetton. I see. Uh, and then off of that were a bunch of other characters that were like a part of the ship at Hollow Ball crew. So Jay Little, Torelli, um, ship it adjacent. 
I don't even know if it was adjacent. Like, there were different points where they were, like, all living together out here during the summer and things of that nature. It's just the, that, that core group was, like, they really rose to prominence, and Peter was very attached to, to Durr within all of this. Mm-hmm. Was, I guess the other crew was, like, Dan Smith, Chewie, Tony Dunst. Uh, they all were kind of boys and did the same thing, like, lived together, like... Maybe, like, way after the got fact. It. This, is, this is very different, I think. Because, <clears throat> um, like, when I think back, there was, like, that collection, then there was, like, the Seaver Ike collection that, you know, kind of spawned off to include, like, Ben CB, Coon, or Ben E6, rather, uh, Coon, et cetera, et cetera. Ben CB. Um, but, like, it all starts, it all started, like, you know, we're talking, like, 2003 to 2006 online, right? So, like, uh, Seaver and Ike were roommates in college uh and they played high stakes they got to high stakes super quick they, they kind of like adva- like advanced hand in hand if you will um and then like the ship at hollow ball crew i'm not really sure like what the commonality was I'm, I'm sure it's in the book it's just been a really long time since i read it uh i don't remember how they commonly all came together but like you know they all kind of rose to prominence at the same time um but anyway the the the, the lead through this is that you know, Peter and and Durr were incredibly close, as best anybody could tell. Uh, and then there was this third person, and his name is escaping me right now. But um, <clears throat> he suffered an aneurysm at the WSOP. This must have been seven years ago, maybe. Uh, I want to say like 2017, 2018 ish. Uh, I really wish I could remember his name. Um, but he suffered an aneurysm at the table and was I, th- I think he was in a coma for like many months and i just remember durr and peter being like by his side the whole way i think his name is kevin for some reason uh, I-, I can't really recall off the top of my head but anyway um you know fast forward a few years he ended up uh recovering to some degree and i i, I know that like durr and uh peter were like supporting his recovery and his comeback and he was still playing cards somewhat and then you know COVID hit and obviously that changed everything <coughs> Um, I'd say all that because it's very shocking now to Isn't see Jack Strauss. No, Strauss is <laughs> he's like ninety years old. <laughs> um, I say all that because now to see Peter come forward and say basically like don't do business with Tom. Uh, he's owed me a quarter million for four years, and he continues to use delay tactics, which, of course, we've already heard this many times in the past, specifically between he and the jungle challenge although i think jungle man confirmed yes it was kevin Fwap. thank you um uh i I think that uh jungle confirmed that most if not all of the penalties have been paid on the the dirt challenge um anyway that that took 10 15 years maybe to to finally come to grips for peter to call out there though is a little bit different because they did have this close relationship so Mm -hmm. it seems to me that you know there had to be some major falling out uh and i'm also really surprised you know this tweet went up yesterday at 11 a.m no response from dur as best i can find um you know basically just kind of the whole thread kind of just said like you know uh he's here there somewhere else playing really high stakes like good luck getting in touch type of stuff so i don't know i hope this all gets worked out for it to come out publicly it feels like you know this is kind of the last straw type of thing Mm -hmm. which is surprising to me you all right there, buddy? No, I got a tickle in my throat. I was going to say, you uh, to go not back. recovered from that uh, sinus infection yet, are you? I was down bad. I am. I just got a tickle. Mm-hmm. You get that like little 
you know, in the back of your throat. Yeah, I just can't get rid of it. <laughs> I just like want to constantly clear my throat. <clears throat> like um, that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what we should expect from all this. Uh, it might just be not that big of a deal. Maybe they'll handle it privately. We'll monitor it. <laughs> <laughs> Got an ear to the streets. Yeah. yeah. Uh, perhaps, perhaps Durr will come out and say something publicly. Yeah. Uh, I would think he would need to. But I don't know, man. Like, his story is so fascinating to me. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, what's that documentary going to be like oh. when it finally comes out? Yeah, that would be great. The Rise and Fall of Durr is like uh, an AE special just ready to be made like he's just he's been a ghost kind of in the public sphere for the past i don't know yeah ten, but 10 years ten that, that's, years, that's yeah. by choice right yeah he's a ghost to us but isn't he like on the other I don't side know. of the world Maybe probably it's not. locked in i don't think it's cards? by choice no <laughs> i don't i don't know man. he's not just in these like random underground i mean he is chinese games where he's he's, just he's definitely russian he's around I, I don't think he's crushing yeah i don't know um I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what I don't know what his deal is. I don't know what games it is that he's playing. I, I've gotten to play with him a handful of times over the past. I feel six like it was right after so. Isolder. I feel like as soon as the Isolder thing was done, I felt like that's when he kind of just started to disappear. Um, what, what's the correlation with Isolder? Um, I think he lost a bunch to Isolder, and then I think within like a year or two, I think that's when he went to Macau when he started playing out there. I, my, my time could be a little bit off, but I felt like that's when he sort of disappeared from the scene. I don't know if I don't know if Isildur was a part of the Dur challenge or not, but no, he wasn't a part of the Dur challenge. I just remember they were playing a lot, and Isildur took a lot off of him. Dur Dur was fine until Black Friday. Uh, Isildur also is another enigma that mm -hmm. would be a story worth telling. Um, his rise and fall is absolutely bananas <laughs> it's 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 wild as well but yeah i don't i don't think there's any correlation to like isildur and dur or anything like that because dur was fine until the day black friday hit and once you know the full tilt money kind of ran out once the dur challenge started to collapse around him um you know maybe there was like a two or three year window where he was still doing okay i think he made the prop bet to win a bracelet in like 2013 ish somewhere around that time where he got heads up and ended up losing it that cost him a bunch but um, yeah, Macau started to pop off like around 2012, 2013. <laughs> Wasn't it like everybody was on the rail like either like wanting him to win or just like yeah. anti-sweating the fuck mm -hmm. out of him? He had a lot down on that bracelet bet if I recall. I think it was like... It was to win one no limit? Yes. Was, well, any any bracelet. Any bracelet. Uh, was he playing mixed or... I I mean, he for sure he was playing PLO. I don't, right. I don't know if he was firing the other mixed stuff or not. Um, but I think that he was... I think he was guaranteed to make a million uh, minimum if he had won the bracelet. And he was laid odds for sure, but I, I don't know like how long the odds actually were. It was Durr. It was 2013. Like He probably didn't get a super sick price. Right, because right, he was just the guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I would imagine he had a few hundred thousand down on his side to make a couple million. Um, that that would have been wild. I don't, I don't even remember. It was so long ago, man. That guy was the Iceman. Yeah. He froze him. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, shirt didn't even have holes in it that's back right. when, when that was uh, going yeah, on. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> somebody said that Gelfon did a 15-minute um, biop biopic on uh, Isildur that's worth watching. I haven't seen it yet, but it does sound like it did like pretty good numbers. So maybe that's worth uh, watching, seeing kind of more of the rise and fall. Uh, and I imagine that only scratches the surface. Like, who knows what was happening behind the scenes. Um, so yeah, we'll see how this ends up shaking out. Uh, I wanted to 
one more thing. Nope, we already did it. Okay. Uh, all right. He did it. Since uh, since Guapo's feeling himself today, let's <laughs> let's let's uh, let's have him get in the muck. Yeah. Well, El you'll, Guapo! You'll, you'll, you'll never guess who's in the muck. Oh, again. you know. You have to take it as a careful. learning hey. opportunity for growth. Listen, be careful with that white shirt in the muck. You don't want to get anything on it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's try to speed run through this one. Uh, <laughs> you can speed run through the hand. You're not going to speed run through the analysis. <laughs> uh, pretty easy open. Mm-hmm. Get a defend. For 2.87, is that just like uh, you click three quarters pot on WSOP? Yeah, something like that. Got yourself a high equity hand there. So we're pretty happy with our flop. <clears throat> Gets checked over to me. And because I want to start checking back uh, some stronger parts of my range, I decide to check this one back. I think the machine's still going to be okay with this. So we check, check back, and we get an ace of diamonds on the turn. Our opponent checks, and this is where I started to get a little bit confused. Um, I decide to bet, but I'm honestly not sure if I'm betting for value or if this is a bluff or... My basic brain is just saying I have decent hand put in decent money. That's probably what's going on. Mm-hmm. But how decent is the hand if we're not sure if we're value betting or bluffing? Yeah. So, yeah, this <laughs> is where it starts to get off the rails. Um, and our opponent check raises. All right. Two options. Either jam or call. And I decide to just call. I like that one. There was one correct choice. <laughs> I thought I had to. It was one incorrect choice. And things get even more confusing now when our opponent decides to check. Mm. Well, I have bottom pair. And mm. <laughs> I don't know what to do here. I'm not exactly sure that if I check back here, sometimes I'll see hands like 7-8, uh, hands like 6-8. You should definitely never see 7-8. I don't know. Just six, eight, I, I didn't maybe. want to check back and then have him just <clears> see some... Weird seven or some weird so six. So for our audio homies, it's jack seven of spades, five of hearts on the flop, turn ace of diamonds, river six of clubs. So we find ourselves here, and instead of checking back, I decide to give myself a cheap uh, quote-unquote bluff. We go half, and somehow it gets through, and uh-huh. we end up winning the hand. Now, just because we won the hand doesn't necessarily mean that I played the hand well, and this is where good old Landon's going to come in uh, let us know what's up. So I think before we get to the wizard analysis, mm-hmm. uh, it's probably important to understand the bigger points of why you're in the muck in this particular instance, uh, which may not be abundantly clear to the audience or yourself. Which of these decisions do you think are potentially going to be scrutinized the most? Um, I think the river was probably the biggest mistake. And then I think on the turn, I think when I find myself, I think when I find myself in spots in general where I don't know what to do, I generally rely on just being aggressive as I believe that just being aggressive tends to be more profitable. Um, And I think in the turn here, I think our hand plays better as a check. But I think my biggest mistake was on the river. Interesting. Okay. It's a turn. I think, I think uh, strategically, the turn mistake is significantly larger from a strategy standpoint, not from an EV standpoint. I do think that the river decision is a bigger torch from an EV standpoint. 
um, just because you can check down and win whenever you check back on the end. And when you choose to bet a hand that I'm assuming is pure checking, uh, you're foregoing the, the pot share that it, that it owns. And now you're just reliant strictly on fold equity against better. So I think from an EV standpoint, you're sacrificing way too much EV by betting a hand that just wins some portion of the pot whenever you check back. But from a strategic standpoint, i.e. the why, I think your turn decision to bet your hand is one that will be very difficult to overcome and will show up in your win rate more, like show up negatively in your win rate more frequently. Now you Can, can you, I put you on the spot a little bit? What do you think the... Um Hope I'm, I'm not. Hope I'm not just saying no, words no, here. Go ahead. Uh, what do you think the EV difference is going to be between me checking and then me deciding to bet? Um, like, am I? I would imagine am I just torching, or yeah, I, I think you're probably just torching. So, what, what's the pot on the end? Uh, let's take like forty-six dollars. Forty-six dollars. Okay, so I would imagine King Five probably has like twenty percent pot share here. So it's probably worth something in the neighborhood of nine dollars to check back. And I would imagine that it has, for half pot, I would imagine it has less than 20% fold. Are you talking about the turn size? No, river. Oh, okay. So on river, when we check back, we just earn probably somewhere around $9 if we have 20% pot share. By betting, uh, I would imagine that we don't return the same 20% pot share when we bet half pot. Because what ends up happening is the same hands that we already beat just fold. Uh, they never call, but sometimes they bluff. So now some of the hands that would have just lost to us checking back actually turn themselves into bluffs, which now forces us to fold and costs us that, that additional bet. So the EV loss of that additional bet plus the EV loss of the pot share that we already had. Um, and then that's going to be true, too, of everything that's better. Either they're going to call with better or they're going to raise better, which means now we, we lose the additional percentage of the, that bet we just made that, that doesn't work. So I would estimate we're probably losing like $2 by betting on the end somewhere in that neighborhood, um, which is pretty significant in a pot of 46. You know, you're losing like 5% pot share, okay. which seems pretty bad. But... The, the bigger takeaway that I think is important is the turn. So what, what do you think like his hand classes should be like that decide to bet turn and decide to check turn and like why? Right. So it works the inverse in position than it would out of position. Okay. Uh, what I mean by that is out of position, you would generally, actually that's not even true. Maybe it works very similarly. Uh, so out of position if you have a pair plus flush draw, you're probably pretty inclined to check call. Now, they'll check raise some of the time mm -hmm. because the worse your pair is, the less showdown value it actually has. Yeah. But like betting and then getting raised big is like sucks really bad when you're out of position. Right. Right. So when, when we're looking at like what hands out of position is check raising here, it's always going to start with combo draws. Like when you're talking about non-made hands, mm -hmm. right? And then it'll, it'll go down to the, the pair plus type of hands the weaker that they are. When you're in position, the opposite becomes true. You want to bet pair plus when it's on the higher side, right? If we have a like top pair plus flush draw, we're just strictly betting for value. Right. When we have bottom pair with a flush draw, getting raised sucks. Is this kind of like a when you bet you're getting called by better and worse is folding kind of situation? Or well, not just that. You you 
are forgetting that you closed the action, right? So now so you're reopening the you're action. Reop choosing to reopen the action is a big deal. Right. Right? Because you mm -hmm. are, you're, you're doing it. I think people just take for granted that their opponents don't have a complete strategy. So when I bet, I'll only face call or fold. Mm -hmm. And that might be true and at it, some frequency. It, you kind of get conditioned that way because you just don't see check raises come through at the frequency they should. Right. So they don't happen yeah. often enough, mm -hmm. but they fucking happen because every single action has a specific strategic reaction, regardless of if your opponent's yeah. choosing to take it or not. And then when they do, and you're sitting with a hand like that, it, it, it's, it hurts. It's right. painful. Because you made an error. Yeah. So I think the, the underlying why behind the bet on the turn is the biggest issue in this overall hand when we're talking about like why is guapo in the muck mm -hmm. looking at a hand like king five of spades after checking back flop and then choosing to bet on an ace of diamond turn is simply saying like well my hand could have bet on the flop and now this card is good for me therefore it has to bet now right and that's not the way we should be looking at things was we're that your thought process guapo? Is, Sorry, bro. Yeah. no it is on yeah mm -hmm. right so the reason we didn't want to bet the flop or, or we don't always want to bet the flop, I should say, is because we're not going to bet this flop at a super high frequency. It's probably going to be like a 50-50 uh, bet check split, mm -hmm. right? And we need to have some hands that can improve in our check back range. And to be fair, this six months, a year ago, this is just a must bet. Auto this C is just bet. 100%. Yeah, because it plays very easily through the betting yeah. line, right? But the problem is, is like your checkback range really begins to suffer. Mm -hmm. uh, and honestly, you'd probably rather bet a hand like 6-5 <clears> because <throat> it now gets to barrel through on cards that aren't really great for your range. 6-5 of spades? Is, yeah. I have a question. Is Mr. Feeney the one that's really in the muck here? For, Why? For not following. His opponent? Yeah. For we not following through River or... Like, uh, we don't know what his hand is. I mean, probably, though. Yeah, that's what right? it feels like. Uh, it's not that he shouldn't have any check folds. He should. But against half pot, we, we probably could deduce that he doesn't. Yeah. You know? Which means that he probably took a hand like 6-8, check raised it on the turn, rivered the 6, and, and thought checked. he had enough showdown value. Yeah. So he checked it. And now Guapo's play becomes kind of genius that way. But, mm -hmm. you know, that that's just an error. 6-8 is a pure bluff on the end. Yeah. Um. So, again, going back to the underlying strategy of of turn what we have to ask ourselves is why do we want to reopen the action on this ace right and the answer becomes because our range portions of our range that check back went up in value right but when we start to examine what those portions are they're going to be check back nut flush draws check back ace high over cards like ace king ace queen type of hands that we chose not to see bet turn two pairs and then like um you know, like turned gut shots that we check back with our king queens, our queen tens, et cetera, right? Look at how that range is shaping up. It's quite polar in nature. Mm -hmm. We don't say to ourselves like, oh, I checked back a jack. I checked back jack 10 and now the turn's an ace. I have to bet for value, right? Mm -hmm. Your jacks are going to still mix because it's a hand class beneath. It, it, it's, it's reduced its hand class equity wise. Yeah. On the flop, it was near top hand class, right? We have sets at the top then we have over pairs, and then we have jack x, right? But now on the turn, we have sets at the top, ace x, over pairs, and now jack x. Yeah, over pairs of the jack. Correct. Obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. sorry. You can't have an over yeah, right. But yeah, I know what you're saying. Right? So right. like now the hand classes have shifted, and our mindset has to shift as well. If we're recognizing like, well, I don't really want to bet kings if I check them back on the flop when this card comes off, because I'm not betting for protection's sake. Mm -hmm. I'm not really extracting value from much outside of a jack that checked twice uh, or some draws, and getting check raised sucks. 
So whenever we start to think in that capacity, now we recognize like, I don't want to bet any middling equity draws either, right? I want to bet hands that benefit from forward equity, or I want to bet hands that get immediate value now. And bottom pair doesn't qualify, even if it's backed up by a spade draw. Make sense? Right? So yeah. like, we would happily bet 9-10 that we checked back on the flop. And I don't care if it's of spades or not, right? Like if we delayed with nine ten and the turn comes an ace, well, that's a nice hand that fits into our bluffing category. If we get check raised and we have nine ten of spades, easy continue. If we get check raised and we have nine ten of diamonds, easy fold, right? We want to give ourselves very easy decisions while making our opponent have to juggle difficult decisions with different portions of their range. So the driving force behind putting money into the pot has to at the end of the day be where we fall in our equity distribution and that's the, e the big takeaway yeah. yeah and the easiest way to quantify that is where does our where does our hand fit into our hand classes right because that's always going to be a hierarchy it's going to be linear top to bottom now we can look at the machine <laughs> machine nice, says nice. sort of <laughs> sort of uh, well, like, like you, some points correct some points Sheen says disregard off. everything Berkey just no, said no no no, 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 no. he's got some good kidding, ones I'm kidding I'm kidding so like for flop as <clears throat> guapo we're gonna go B67 or check and when we do choose the bigger size as the board is more connected you don't want to be range betting anymore so you can't just range bet 67 and something that you can do is you can look at ranges and see EV so this is the EV of the button and if I remove check node, so right now it's 2.96. And now if we remove it, so it's a range bet, it goes to 2.68. Mm. So you lose roughly a small blind in a little bit if you just only bet 67% and never find a check back. Which is a lot. That's a lot. So my check back is okay. Check back is pure. It's pure. So we look back at the strategy. We'll see here a king five wants to check as you have a five. And then you want to <clears throat> have some flush draw sometimes. When it comes to the hands, we are checking back as you. We are mostly checking back the nut flush draws. Uh, it's kind of finicky. It's very odd. We're like ace fives in a check with the pair, which is nice. Sometimes you can bet with the nut flush draw, sure. Ace six is going to mix, right? You're never going to have anything perfect. But when you have ace queen... Ace King with overcards, you have so much equity that you're cool with just going B67 and then protecting your nut flush draws with hands like Ace 10 uh, of Spades to have some backdoor. You're protection. saying the Ace King of Spades specifically bets, but not the uh, not the uh, ones without the flush draw. Correct. Right. Right. Uh, just because your hand value kind of gets wrecked right. facing some aggression. Wow, that's weird. I was thinking about that backwards. So when I have hands like Ace King of Spades, I think I would prefer checking this is going to sound strange but i would prefer checking that back because well you check it my back. hand is just going to be better than their hand a lot of the time and when i have a hand like that's ace why five, you bet. that's why you bet yeah i was going to say so like your hand your 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 equity is so high that you want to start building the pot right and, and when i have a hand like ace four of spades or ace three of spades if i barrel with these hands they're going to fold hands like ace six ace eight ace ten am i am i just crazy you're not crazy because your logic makes sense. Uh, at the same time, when you have a hand as good as Ace King of Spades, you don't really want to be using this one to function as your check back <clears throat> because you'd rather your hand just has too much equity. And then checking this back makes your turn and river decisions a little bit easier. But bluff catching with Ace King of Spades on the end and the check check line 
flop. It feels like it's a lot more comfortable than using hands like ace four. But just having that raw card of having a king when you do go for bet, as you see that a lot of our king highs and stuff of that nature are going to check back a lot. Okay. Uh, it just allows you to <clears throat> unblock a lot of their continues as well. And uh, if you've got face check raise, it's kind of nice to just have hands that can call down as well as uh, turn kings well. Because most of the king X's that you do decide to bet, if you face a check raise, are going to fold. So you protect yourself in that way. <clears throat> so now when we look at turn, so you go for check. Nice. Ace of diamonds. We'll see the big one's going to probably play a pretty heavy check strategy here. Because it's not a good card for him. Lots of green. Yeah, so if he does decide to bet, he goes for 2.5x pot. Uh, not surprising, as he's very polar. He's saying he has ace-jack. He's saying he has sevens or fives that couldn't get to check-raise in because you checked back. And that's kind of the nice thing about checking back sometimes is you force them to have to find these polar notes. And then they have their bluffs like combo draws, open-ended Lush draws and low cards that can potentially make a straight, like a double gutter being 4-3 or four deuce of spades for having more equity. <clears throat> so when he goes for check, you are going to... So I edited the size for yours to be a B75, but in solver like pot, because when you're reopening, you're doing what Matt said when it comes to the hands you're, tar you're choosing to reopen, like kings if you've Mix a check back on flop, you're pure checking because it's middle equity. Your ace is you're mostly going to be betting for pot. And then you're betting your bluffs like your gut shots, your high cards, and some of your flush draws. So now when you look at a hand like 10-9 suited, you're mostly going to be checking back because you want to protect yourself on an 8 to have like the nuts. Mm -hmm. And then with 10-9 off, you want to be a little bit more uh, selective blocker-wise when it comes to choosing your combos. But... Most of the time, you're about to flop with a spade. To be clear, the 10 9 doesn't include spades, right? No, because it's just too high equity. Right, just we just bet it too often on the flop. Correct. So it doesn't exist as. There's the in between when it comes to your range, and it's not. It's never easy and it's never perfect, where it's tempting to check it back sometimes because you do want to have those like sneaky hands, but you don't choose the hands with that much equity to be your sneaky hands. You choose like the lower ace X's to be your sneaky hands, as well as pick up some equity on a low card, like a three or a deuce, where if you always bet the flop with the ace fours to get ace 10 to fold, when, you goes, when it goes check, check, and a three comes, you're not as protected with your range because you don't have any of that low card coverage. That's probably a little bit why uh, you want to be checking back some of your uh, ace fours and ace threes on flop. <clears throat> so we'll see here with king five, uh, it's straight green. So like I see like the solves in like colors. So like pure green as betting, doesn't really serve you very well, but if you have king four, uh, well, that's no suit because you're mostly going to bet the flop with the king highs. Like what you were talking about when you didn't want to bet your ace king makes more sense for like your king fours and king threes that you open on the button. As now, when you go back to the flop strategy, we'll see that they're pure bets. As you get better king highs to fold, you get some ace highs to fold, and then uh, you can check back some of the higher some of the king ones, suitors. Yeah. yeah. Uh, king queen's still too good you have over cards and you still get called by dominating hands like you can bet king queen and still get called by king x backdoor flush draws some of the times depending on their suits probably like make sure from, make sure i'm right like king six suited maybe hands like this yeah nope you, you actually just get them to fold straight so it's not that great for you as you when you have king queen but it looks like they're calling some of the <clears throat> 
Uh, where am I trying to find the backdoor combos? I guess it's just ace high. I guess it, they, it just has to be ace high. So it feels kind of like unintuitive to me as well to bet a hand like king queen. As like, why do you want to bet king queen of spades? But you, that's why you check back hearts. As you don't want to get check raised and your hand become really scary and might have to fold or do things along those lines. <clears throat> so we check. Or they check. We bet. And then he goes for his big raise size. And we'll see here, this raise size isn't really used very often. Uh, mostly going to go a little bit smaller. Uh, but point being, the range of hands that he's going to have when he goes, does go for the polar reopen are going to be the hands you'd expect, like Matt was talking about, being six the... Six-eight of spades. Being, well, six-eight is mostly going to go for the polar, polar size on turn, right? Six-eight of spades is just going to pure two-and-a-half-x pot and say, like, what's up? Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> when you look at the hands that he's going to have, he's going to want to have some 6-5 for pair plus flush draw, 6-4, the low frequency check to be able to find this line. And you don't want to check call with 6-high with this much equity out of position because most of the time you're going to miss your combo draw and now be left on the river 6-high, which is <clears throat> not great. So his reopen is going to be his sets that he didn't bet the turn with his himself. Two pairs. Sets uh, ace seven, ace jack is just going to bet the turn for him as it's too good. But same idea, right? You either have really good hand or you have a combo like a, draw. Like a drawing hand, yeah. Correct. And then sometimes you need queen three of spades just in case, you know. Who knows? <laughs> so when he raises, <clears throat> your hand's not going to exist. Uh, so what I have to do is I guess just node lock a bet for you. Let's just say you're betting half the time. Sometimes you check back. Were you betting like all the time? I guess we all the time. <laughs> all the all the time. <laughs> we'll put all the time. <laughs> Wait. Oh. Uh, sorry. I, I just wanted to see what the what the EV of checking down was. It doesn't matter. We can look at it after. Checking. You mean checking versus betting? Yeah. Well, we'll see here that checking the EV is three point eight two and betting is three point six five. Okay. So well, not terribly it, it, like no, it's not terrible. It's just like a mi strategic mistake where yeah. it's really hard to fuck up with a pair plus a flush draw unless like you bet and then fold and then that's a, a nightmare. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. I was talking about on river. It's okay. This doesn't matter. This is. Uh, I, oh yeah, I see what you're saying. The yeah, the yeah, turn yeah. the turn error is massive because it's a pure check and it's a massive oh. error strategically, not EV wise. But I think the river mistake is a bigger EV. So the river's mistake. Six of, river's six, six of clubs. And then the big line checks. So he is going to have some checks, and the checks are going to come from some of those uh, six high, like, I don't know if it's this six high, but it's some six high, five, three. Like, you don't want to always jam the river or find a bet just because when Guapo does call the 125% raise facing the polar reopen strategy, mm. well, relatively polar, you can be selective and scared and have a folding range where you just give up. Right. Give up, up give ups are just allowed in <clears throat> all streets of poker for both people. And sometimes the effect of the range that you decided to get more fold equity with or more value from are going to be <clears throat> butchered to have a lot more folds on specific rivers. And that's just the game. Yeah. Where if not like not all fold equity is created equal, right. if you will. So he checks. Now we have king five and like it's mixing because we kind of got here and it's like, well, some good stuff does happen where he does check a six and like we get that to fold, which is sick. But like six, four folds, like we're betting 
50% pot and he's folding 75% of the time. Yeah. You know, so he either has like a really good hand that he somehow got like ultimate sneak with that he goes to the like check raise and then check hoping that you're bluffing and then like spring the trap. But we can see that this range is non-existent as this line is kind of Cocking. non-existent. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Like the machine's having a tough time figuring out what's going on. So the small like the, that's, so the, that's, probably, that's probably a bad sign. <laughs> uh, out of curiosity, was it due to the check raise size? Uh, but yeah, effectively, because the, the check raise size is just like non-existent, it's right? It's just like kind of too big, I think. Look, if I go to let me just what's about. the theory size? I just want to check if see if it's too e. You're talking the about theory, my opponent here. Yeah, yeah. The theory size was like pot. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's still like the same for two e. It's like very, very low reopen. I can give pot again. And see what it was because it wasn't very many check raises because Bupo has really good hands and right. it's very hard for the button. Yeah, it's still 2.2%. Right. Right. So it's just hard for the button to reopen when they don't have that many great hands. You as, mean big blind. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, big blind. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, because big blind is mostly going to go for this strategy here on the turn. So what I can expect to happen is like if we just call it play a game of I don't think that people are going to go for 2x pot here and let's just say they want to protect and like sneak more with the sets. I think it's like relatively reasonable. So if we give them a range check on the turn, we're going to be a lot more careful about how we put chips in the pot because now we're checking back a ton mm. and we're betting very polar like Matt was talking about where you have ace X, good hand, you have bluff equity, or you just have like stone, absolute dog shit, bad hand. Like you have king deuce of clubs. And you're right, like, well, just mandatory. You're like, well, like I hope you fold something because my hand really stinks. Yeah. But now when we go B75, his check raise is going to be bolstered by having all of the hands that he did not go for the pull. I, I think this is much more reasonable, by the way. To look at this for, for yes. the spot? Sure. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I thought this would be the case, but now we'll see. King 5 still checks. Right. Because this, this is an issue. Right. Because now you, get, you don't get raised often, but you get check raised. 8-6 is a good one. Um, so we'll have to go back here. Go to the node lock. Go to set strategy. Go to 100. And I'm only going to go to the King 5 of spades combo because... I don't know how much you're opening with the other ones, and probably not. You're just going to check because you have a five, and it makes sense. So we bet, and they're like, haha, just kidding, I have a good hand. <laughs> you're like, all right, like, that's fine. Like, I have a good hand, too. Because, like, folding's a disaster, right? Calling's worth six big lines, folding is zero. So wow. like, the delta, like, you just can't fold pair plus flush draw. You can yeah. make almost the nuts, so, like, that's pretty good. Uh, call, river, six of clubs, and, like, that's pretty bad. Should have asked for this. Spades. That was your first mistake. So now, like, they're still checking a lot, right? They're still checking 36% of the time. Mm. And wow. it's a lot of hands that show down now, though. It is. There's hands that show down, as well as uh, some of the super sneaks, like the ace jack, where the ace six is a pure check. Well, ace six for him is probably not going to check raise that often on the turn. Right. But just, I'm just saying, like, ace six, ace seven are like pure, pure sneaks now. Yeah. Ace seven's a nice sneak. Ace jack's a nice sneak because it's more likely that. Guapo has a flush draw that missed that has to try to put money in himself. So if you do check raise here as big blind, remember to sneak sometimes and not always bet the river. So he goes for check. And now we'll see here like B40 is mostly used, but King 5 is now a pure bluff in this spot, uh, which is kind of cool. King 5 is a pure bluff? Uh-huh. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's just because of that 6 like that, like his range because he check raises more has a lot more six x in it. Mm. So now you can kind of mix just like a polar reopen of like 
hey, I'm all in. Like, I have a really good hand. Like, I have a set of aces. I need my money. Or you have, like, cheap bluff, and you're saying, I hope you fold a five, or I had a flush draw that missed. Landon, can you hover over king five of spades real quick? Yeah, it's mixed. It's the only one. It's, like, literally the only hand that supports this, like, uh, like okay, so when you see here, bet 20.6, 50%, like, 3.08 combos. Like, king eight suit, king, uh, sorry. King eight suit, king five suited in the bottom over here is like half of the combos. Cause you have this, you have ace jack that's a value bet. And then you have like aces that's also a value bet. Mm. Like your only bluff for this size really is this king five. Like you kind of got here and. Right. Like basically, if king five wasn't here, it would find one of these other hands to force into this node. It would probably find like. <clears throat> uh, I don't know. I mean, we're yeah. moving through too quick for me to find hands, but. Sorry. Um, it would just be some other bottom. It's it's your worst hand, basically. It, it, it is your worst hand because you have it here, and you are getting a lot of benefit from going for the B50. But it's also when he gets check-raised on the turn, he doesn't have any more no, non-pair hands on the end because he's only calling... Like He should only be back calling like combo draw hands. So 9-8 got there, you know? 10-9 uh, shouldn't exist. He being guapo as the button. Correct. Yeah, he's like king 10 of spades. So, so like, now king 5 is absolute bare bottom of range. Yeah, and right? then king and 5 of spades a, goes for a jam. Right, yeah, and it's just a byproduct of having not... Should not have been included in the betting range to begin with. Like, had he bet 10-9 of spades, that would be the bare bottom. That would be what jams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's basically kind of making this B50 because aces here is such a good hand and you want them to do something that it's bucketing to have ace jack and aces get some value hmm. um so anyways we see like a lot of good stuff happen with king five as you do get that six x to fold like queen six six eight six four six three um but you kind of force your you kind of force your own hand when you bet the turn yep. as now you've given yourself a new bottom of range yeah i think the other so, interesting so the biggest mistake here was the was the turn the biggest mistake here was definitely betting the turn. Yeah, it's for sure not even close. I think the other uh, interesting thing was to see how tightly Guapo value bets on the end when checked to, because so much of that out of position range now has to check trap. Right. Right. Like Ace Five <laughs> doesn't value bet. Six Five doesn't value bet. Those hands are pure checkbacks now, and that's a byproduct of Ace Six, Ace Seven, Ace Jack having to do so much checking now to correct for the fact that they weren't really supposed to reopen the turn. Right, and you kind of get into this weird cat mousey game where if they always bet the river with their good hands. Is your ace five even? You can't really jam as you're targeting such a weak right, portion. Right. So you probably should buck it down to B50 again mm -hmm. to hope for a six X. Like, you're bad. That's what you're targeting. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, you're just hoping that, like, you get the six X to check raise jam now mm -hmm. instead of folding. Right. But then the issue is, like, it kind of the line does not make sense anymore. Right. <laughs> as you check raise, checked, and then, like, all of your strong hands are mostly going to barrel the river for, for the big blind, like we'll right. see here. Well, this is where street poker comes in. I, I don't think there's a whole lot to analyze here. Sure, like 6-8, like you're just piling, right? You're just saying like, yeah. okay, I have it. And then you're having some sets and stuff. You say, I have it, but I don't have all of it. Right. So, a little bit smaller. Well, thank you guys. You're welcome. I think that was an interesting one. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the turn error is an easy one for people to make, specifically because it feels so non-intuitive to check back the flop. Yeah. So they feel like they missed a street and they have to recapture that street now on the turn. Uh, where in irony, it's a pure check back on the flop and then just a follow through with another pure check back on the turn, right? Um, so I, I do think that understanding hand classes and how the equities shift based off of uh, turn and river distributions is really, really critical to developing an overall strategy. Uh, and I think this is a great example of how easy it is 
to let that go awry based off of just how valuable you believe a hand to be in the moment, right? Pair plus flush draw, pretty good. Tough to fuck up, right? So just bet it. Uh, and that tends... Well... Yeah, and that, that's what I'm getting at. Oh, like yeah, that, that used to be my mindset, though. That tends to just be a lazy mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting one. Very interesting one. That was cool. That was fun, hand. If you guys find yourself in the muck and you would like to see a hand analyzed on stream by the child of the sim himself, head over to our Discord channel. You can find it at OnlyFriends... Sorry, at SolveForYTV. It's our pinned comment. Or you can hit hashtag Discord in the chat. Follow that link. We have a form dedicated to in the muck submissions. We haven't done one in a while, so we'll definitely pull one out this week. And you get a pecker uh, one. Yeah, thank you guys all so much for uh, submitting those. Speaking of the man of the hour, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about JBEX. So mm-hmm. this is what everybody's here for. We buried the lead. Shout uh, out to Bro for six in the Venetian. The yeah. World Series schedule came out last week, last Friday, and uh, Uncle Daniel was out in the Twitter streets. Bro's just online. He's chronically online. <laughs> he is just fucking online, man. He is in his online era. Uh, online era. And he put out a tweet that said, might offer a spicy little free roll. And he went through a list of fun matchups that it, it, it was such fucking bait. Mm, the whole course. thing was such fucking bait. It was such obvious bait too, mm-hmm. because it wasn't like he was even, he didn't mention the word crossbook. He just said a few off the top of my head, that would be fun matchups for people to pick. Mm-hmm. Jonathan versus Berkey, Jbex versus Landon, Chrissy B versus Maria. Uh, which, by the way, I, I don't know if people see what's going on here, but like, okay, so me versus Jonathan, like he, he wants to pit us against one another in some capacity. JBEX, Landon, they're both two the young, young guys, yeah. very different strategies. What the hell? What's going on? Are we under uh-huh. attack? Um, so obviously it's like two young guys who come from differing approaches with... Uh, with uh being an online savant who's grinding sims versus somebody who's playing like live dailies and mostly just a field player uh and then we get to the chrissy b maria ho matchup and it's kind of like what are we talking about here like other than other than them being women what do they have in common what the hell is this what? this is fucking hilarious that's what this is what <laughs> Oh, based. What what is this? Enlighten uh, us. It's a dog that says heel on it. By the way, we just got I can't explain we to you what ambushed. just happened. We just got absolutely ambushed. He said, Hey Conrad. Who was it? I don't know, some guy. He had a mask on and he dropped He had a this, mask on? He dropped this bad boy off. He was banging the door, ringing the doorbell like very obnoxious. Very <laughs> annoying. D just absolutely ambushed us. Okay, what what did what did Uncle Daniel send us? Uh hashtag TPK Landon, sorry. TPK, to hear. what does that mean? I don't know. Um, hashtag, anyways, sorry to hear about the upcoming demise to your bankroll. <laughs> wow. Hope this burns so. your day. Sincerely, Team JBEX. <laughs> wow. That is fucking hilarious. <laughs> the balloons. Con- congrats, Daniel. You've won this no matter what. Uh, oh, the, the black man. balloons are nice. I need to, wait, hold on. I need to get this handwriting analyzed to know who it is. I want to know what TPK is. Me too. That is definitely dead. Top pair talk kicker? No. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> All right, so read it one more time for the for the team. Landon, sorry to hear about the upcoming demise to your bankroll. Hope this brightens your day. Feel mm. better. Sincerely, Team JBEX. Okay. This, look at this dog. What kind of dog is this? Uh, 
It's a. It's a nice one. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it looks like a uh, a Boston Terrier. There you go. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, little, we'll go with that. What, what what was that fucking one that bit my hand? Oh yeah. Uh, um, just or Josh's dog. Yeah. Anyway. I was like, that was one of the funniest <laughs> things that has ever happened to us. It was very disruptive. I was like terrified. Okay. I was like, what? Who's that that was, that's exactly what they wanted. Yeah. <laughs> it was they, they got what they wanted. It, it well, was well, great. Clearly they're outside watching the stream because they waited for the segment to start before yeah. they actually came and knocked on the door. So. That's yeah. actually really Listen, funny. I just Jesus watched, Christ, man. We're I getting... just watched, um, I think it was called Lover, Stalker, Killer. It's oh, yeah, new, yeah, I it, saw on, it. Uh, You watched it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah. creepy, right? Yeah. So like, yeah, so like when this, this shit just happened, I'm like, Jump, I'm ready to jump out the window. We just got stream sniped. <laughs> I, I appreciate that you guys, you guys are all so protective of your lives. I'm so over it. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> you want me, some you of us still me. have some stuff to live for. Don't Bert. worry, I'll protect you. I'll jump on the grenade. Uh, all right, so, so I, I find the I find the Maria Chrissy thing to be funny because outside of being women, uh, I don't see any commonalities. Maria plays mix. Chrissy doesn't. Chrissy right. plays high rollers. Maria doesn't. Like, I don't think. I think the likelihood that these two play more than five events that overlap is so so low uh, that it's like a ridiculous matchup in and of itself. Chidwick versus Seth Davies, uh, you know, uh, I think that makes sense. They both play high rollers. Chewy versus Shulman is kind of funny to me because they're both very good friends. Coon mm -hmm. versus Foxen because they have muscles, I guess. <laughs> uh, Helmuth Ike because of Massgate. Eli versus Bonomo, obviously, like, can't help himself. Yep. Uh, Mattisal versus Glance, political, and Brewer versus Amadi. Uh, I guess because they just both play high rollers, it'd be interesting to watch. I don't know. Anyway, clearly this whole fucking tweet was bait. Like it was a hundred percent. It was. It was definitely for uh, social engagement, which right. was inevitable. Like he's he's not dumb. He knows what's going to get clicks, but. It was very, very clear. If you go back to the list, like there were two people on there that were very likely to take the bait and say, book it. Yeah. And, and it was going to be me and Landon. Yep. For sure. And the thing that Daniel doesn't know about me that uh, maybe you all do, having watched the show plenty, is that I just cannot be bothered to play MTT tournaments. Like, I, I'm sorry. I just don't. Right. I don't enjoy it. Right. I'll play a handful. Uh, but I'm certainly not betting on myself, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't advise anybody else to bet on me either. It's why I was like so uh, hard up trying to get like long, long odds for a bracelet uh, bet last year because like for me to even, first of all, me trying isn't going to be good. Like I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So like trying hard isn't going to help. Let me ask you a question: What odds would you take right now on a bracelet bet? Twenty-five to one. I bet you right now you hit up Uncle D Nugs. He'll slide in. I don't oh, think he will. He might. Oh, you call. You said you're calling his bluff. Yeah, huh? I don't think he will. Nah, he not, not a twenty-five to one. Right. Um, but yeah, I would take twenty-five to one for for a reasonable bet. Like if I can get rich, uh, I can learn MTTs. But if I can't get rich, <laughs> I have no desire yeah. to learn MTTs. Shout out to Corey Nordstrom, member for fifteen months. We appreciate you, my guy. He says I have uh, a bigger cash than JBEX, biggest, and I'm all, I'm. Oh God damn it! Don't do it, man! I just take the bait. I just take the bait every time. No, uh, no, I'm not gonna say <laughs> it. I'm gonna say it because Corey's no. my dude. He said, "I mean, even I have a bigger cast than JBEX. Uh, JBEX is biggest, and I'm always crippled." That's... You got this, Lando. <laughs> so, so if you guys bad. don't know, my friend Corey is in a wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Corey. We love Corey's, Corey. Corey's actually the guy that in the middle of the um. Bomb type threat yeah, thing yeah, of a jiggy. He's just sitting in the WSOP, just chilling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> what's up Corey? what's well, a getaway Corey. car yeah he's, he's fine uh all right so That's fast funny. forward to the bait being taken landon of course the prop bet master lets no time slip by it's yeah, just daniel daniel actually talked about that today on his uh dad poker podcast oh we got a clip yes we do roll it and one of them i put together was i put together jeremy becker versus landon tice okay I'm going to oh, yeah. get there. I promise. Okay. There's no beef between those two. Yeah, I didn't think I so. put it together because when you look at it, I think it's a really interesting, you know, matchup. You've got, you know, the GTO studied guy versus the guy who doesn't own a computer, has never looked at a solve, just plays live and crushes, right? Obviously, over 20, 30 events, it's kind of meaningless, but we're going to have an opportunity to follow this narrative and people have, are going to put way too much emphasis on what actually happens, but we have the ultimate, like, ultimate argument why did i put them together i put them together in a matchup because i expected i didn't think it would happen within seven minutes but i expected and this was you know i didn't offer a cross book or whatever i expected them to get riled up by the matchup and within 10 minutes landon says cross book my dms are open don't have a problem well, seven minutes could have been. It was actually kind of slow for me. Yeah, yeah I agree. That, that's that's six and a half minutes of very mindful thought of mm -hmm. uh, can we make this happen? Had to so, run it by the uh... the the good news is you're not offering nine big blinds per hundred or any sort of ridiculous spot. Uh, the even better news is that the betting public is very very heavily on JBEC's side. Oh yeah. How do you feel about being a pawn in Uncle Daniel's scheme to uh, to to end the sim? Solver dog. Solver dog. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> it was kind of expected, I suppose, when it comes to the Twitter following that Daniel has, as well as the way that most people see the game as the machine not translating to live poker. It's also what people see online. They just, every time they're scrolling through, you know, poker Twitter, they just see Jeremy's face with the three five in front of a bunch of chips. Right? Well, I think so like, yeah, yeah this think, guy think, wins a lot of tournaments. I think there are two sides to this bet and both have a lot of validity. Um, <laughs> I love the thumbs up every time. He has gotten very good at winter photos. Yeah. So first and foremost, I think that it is worth acknowledging that live experience is definitely worth something. I don't know to what degree it's worth whenever we're quantifying things. I just know that I've been around long enough to recognize like there's a group of people that qualify as winners and there are a group of people that are trying and struggling their hardest to get into that other group. <clears throat> now, whether or not JBEX is uh, proven enough to be uh, put into that corner or not yet, it remains to be determined. But he has carved out a niche within the MTT space that he's very good at right like over the last year and a half he has just obliterated dailies and he's put himself in position to do pretty well in other um call it mid-stake buy-ins like i know his biggest score was like fifty-two thousand. i think it was at the venetian uh he just final tabled this 1600 event yesterday got sixth for 24 24 24 000? yeah place yeah first was over 100 160 keep talking keep talking dirty to me i might actually get out there and play with <laughs> <coughs> oh man um but with that being said you know uh, obviously his volume is incredibly high his volume of buy-ins is incredibly high even though the price point is relatively low based off of unlimited re-entry and everything else none of this is the takeaway from what he's done the fact yeah. that he has 
1.5 million in earnings and his biggest score is 52k is fucking impressive wow like 1.5 million yeah wow yeah so that is a man on the grind and to give you catch you soon well to give you a comparison (laughs) uh to give you the comparison he has twice as much as Landon's Hendon, which is like 790, and Landon's biggest score was somehow the first tournament he played for like 212K, <laughs> right? So Landon's biggest score makes up like, I don't know, a quarter of his all-time earnings, mm-hmm. whereas JBEX's biggest score makes up like 30% or 3%, sorry, of uh, his all-time earnings, right? So big difference here. Um, this bet, though, becomes pretty fascinating because obviously the sample size is relatively small, but the stakes are incredibly high. <coughs> oh, man. You're I'm dying. Die I'm dying. So, Jeez. Dina exists said it wasn't him. We have an anonymous sender. Okay. <laughs> JBEX got, got fans. <laughs> maybe, um, maybe it's JBEX himself. <laughs> so, let's talk a little bit about the stakes, and then we'll talk about the side market that, that's kind of being created. Uh, what, what ultimately was agreed upon was a cross book here where you guys are cross-booking 100% of each other's action. Now, I know that you guys still have some details to iron out. For MTTs, I think it's simplest if it's just on straight caches and you don't worry about buy-ins um, because you guys are playing mutu- or you guys have uh, qualified that it's mutually played. So basically, it's never going to make that big of a difference if you know, you're talking about like a $1,500 event where somebody cashes for 100K and they're in for six bullets and you're in for one. It's like what's the difference when it all shakes out? You know what I mean? Um, so the easiest way to track, especially I think you guys, have you guys agreed on doing non-WSOP events as well? Yeah, yeah, it's everything. <coughs> right, so... It's just 25 mutually played events during the summer or as long, I guess, as it's it takes. It's at least 25, right? At least 25 to cash out, yeah. yeah. Right, but there's no cap on it. Like, if you guys play 70 mutually played events, they all count, Correct. right? Okay. Right. Okay, so mutually played events, 100% crossbook, and you guys are putting some uh, limiting factor to prevent the outliers. I guess right? 25 is like for if the winner or the loser wants to stop. I Correct. Think. Yeah, yeah. At 25 mutually played, I assume one party and could then, like, quit. And then it could be 26, 27, because like, let's say someone gets to 25, and then he's like, hey, like, are you guys done? And it's like, yes or no. It's like, no. And if Daniel wants to keep the crossbook on... To keep it on right my assumption would be that after you guys have played 25 mutually uh mutually played events from that point on every event thereafter is a one-off so it's either yes no on off on off on off and that's what it's supposed to kind of be for this because of the potential ways to angle <coughs> or see that someone's trip leading and then you didn't get in the tournament yet so then you don't play or someone's trip leading a tournament that they were gonna play so now they can't play it right so there's ways to like not finesse the system i mean there are but like they're really really small small fractional edges that are also hurting your own bottom line at the end of the day right like if you choose not to play the millie maker because jbex bag chip lead day 1a you're shooting yourself in the foot you know like you're sacrificing uh, a fair amount of roi in a really profitable event uh, based off of potential downside of him having a, a a cashable stack right um Anyway, point being, uh, when it's all said and done, for those of you who don't understand what a crossbook is, uh, usually what it means is that the net difference between one person's buy-ins and the other person's uh, profits is paid out. So if, um, if for instance, Landon plays $50,000 worth of events and cashes for zero, and JBEX plays uh, the same events and cashes for 50 k 
then technically Landon would owe him a hundred thousand. Uh, generally, my understanding is when it comes to MTTs, if they're both playing the same events, you just don't count the buy-ins, right? So it ends up just being like. You mean if he profits for fifty thousand? Yes. Sorry. 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 K, yes, right? right. Okay. Sorry. Right. So see <clears throat> see how it gets confusing. Mm -hmm. So if you just do net cashes. Uh, it becomes a lot simpler, which means that if, uh, you know, Landon plays 25 events and JBEX plays the same 25 events and JBEX cashes for $50,000 more than Landon, mm -hmm. then Landon would owe JBEX another 50K right. or OD next 50K. It's the difference between, it's just the difference between their P&L, right? Yeah. You should just never have, um, it should always be net because like who, first of all, like you'd have to, somebody would have to show your receipts for like how many buy-ins they were in for. And that could easily be- Right, gross, case. not net. Gross, sorry, net, yeah. net would yeah, imply yeah. that you're subtracting- Yeah, yeah sorry, sorry, gross. Yeah. So like that can e easazel be begazled. Uh, I mean, it's not that it could easily be done. It's just annoying to have to track everything all throughout town, well, right? Like so you're going to get less transparency from the Venetian, from the wind, yeah. from, you know, like the nugget or whatever. Like it, it's an annoying Santa tracker type of thing. Yeah, you'd have to go to like literally each person- <laughs> Landon would have to go ask for JBEX records, basically. Right. Well, no, we or, would just, go, also, we would I just get each other. Basically, the way we were going to do it is we get a spreadsheet, and we both, it's a mutual spreadsheet. So there's one sheet that's his, one sheet that's mine. And then at the end of the summer, whenever the cross book is over, to just double check the numbers, we just go to all the casinos that we played and ask for the report. That just sounds like, it sounds like too much work. Mm -hmm. There's just no point of that. For like the, there's no right, point because, of tracking buy ins. Right, because Hen and Mob will already do all that work for you when it comes to cashes. And that's all that truly matters. And you guys are both going to fire infinite, so it doesn't. So what you're matter. saying, in for like the way that you see it being a lot easier and less messy, is if I cash for zero, but Becker cashes for 100k, he just gets 100k. Correct. Yes. Instead of getting like, let's say I'm stuck 50, I'm stuck 50 for the summer. He doesn't get 150. Well, he wouldn't anyway because he also put up buy-ins. Yeah. Right. Right. Those caches are gross. They're not net. They're not. They're not taken against it, his buying. It does make it cleaner. because It makes it so much cleaner. Now the only thing you guys have to verify is did both of you play the event? So now the spreadsheet just has a yes, no tick to it mm. of all the events listed. And then you guys tick yes or no, whether or not you played it. Right. Right. Now all you have to do is cross-reference if they both played. If the answer is yes, then we pay the difference one it's way like, or the other. Yeah. It's like kind of brutal to not to go through the whole and, and the thing is is like no matter how many different iterations you run to the extremes the actual buy-in portion it, it won't ever account for a lot of win rate one way or the other of like being in for one versus in for four because sometimes i'll be in for four he's in for right. one yeah, it does, right it, it, it doesn't matter it, it's just there you know it'd have to be like a, a one of one outlier event where like he's only in for one bullet the entire summer and you're in for max bullets the entire summer and now your buy-ins are like triple his in which case now he would if if he beat you in the the cross book he'd be afforded a lot more more win rate but that's just like you know so improbable to happen and it's a it's a use case that's not not worth dealing with it's just way easier to wash the buy-ins and only track the the um caches uh so i would just go back and mob if if i were in charge of like setting rules for this right um but in any event those are the the basic outlines of the uh of of the crossbook and you don't have to crossbook 100%. You could crossbook more than 100%. You could crossbook way less than 100%. So um have there been any like notable instances of crossbooking crossbooking more? Uh like 500%. Yeah. Yes, yes, for sure. Uh, a lot of guys on smaller stake things, yeah. right? So when yeah. when uh you Sean know, D won the um 
Didn't he have a huge crossbook when he won the... The Lodge. Was it the Lodge or yeah. Turning Stone? Oh, Turning Stone too as well, yeah. I think. Um, but yeah, like back before High Rollers existed, like the early Jay Merce days, uh, a lot of those guys, when they would go play 1Ks or 1500s, they would find people to crossbook, uh, you know, 100%, 200%, 300%, whatever. Um, you know, first place is 30, 40K, 50K, whatever. Uh, and they can get like a 200% crossbook. Well, you know, now they can make an additional 100K on the side if they ship it. Um, so yeah, there's all, <laughs> there's all, I mean, this is kind of like what Timex would do, except mm -hmm. his version of crossbooking would charge you a markup, right? Like he would make you buy yourself at 1.x. Um, so if you wanted, you know, if you wanted 150% of yourself in some major event coming up, like, or like the main event's a great example. People used to buy more of themselves at like 2.0, 2.5 off of Timex. Wow. Uh, which was, you know, very risky on his behalf because if they ever hit, <laughs> you know, I'm sure he capped like how much of themselves they could buy, but yeah. still, you know, if you're selling like 10, 15, 20% of a good player and they happen to go on in rip final table or rip it off, yeah. like that's, that's a lot of money to have to shell out. So anyway, when it's all said and done, you guys landed on a crossbook. You did some uh, downside risk management. So right now it's capped at 250K as, per event. as, as the score, as the yeah, biggest score per event. Potentially to be updated because of the, some of the bigger buy-ins that we're going to play, but have to work out all the details. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I, when I asked, I was like, okay, so like it's, it's just two. I thought it was capped. The whole thing was capped at 250K. Like you could only win or lose right. throughout the summer. But then Berge informed me that that's per event. So, I mean, if someone goes off to, you know, win a couple bracelets or win a couple events, this this could add up very quickly. Hurt. Yeah, that could hurt yeah. bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and we've seen it before. I've had a half a million dollars somewhere before, and I didn't even win a bracelet. Um, yeah. We've seen multiple bracelet winners. But the thing is, with the multiple bracelet winners, it's almost certainly never a no-limit guy. Mm -hmm. It's almost always going to be somebody who, like, wins a small PLO, wins a mixed event, whatever. The exception being most recently was uh, Scott oh. Ball. Um, but even his two wins, I think one of them was a pretty big buy-in. It was a 5K yeah. and the one drop. Right. The so, the, so the one drop obviously is like a massive field, uh, you know, get through yeah. half a million the but first kind of thing. You also don't have to, you don't have to win them to have a really, really huge summer. I mean, look, right. what, look, what, Chance, what, look what Chance did last summer. I don't think he, I don't know how many he won, but I know he was just uh, huge score after huge score after huge score. Yeah. So I have no idea like, what Chance ca cashed for last year. Yeah. It was a lot. A lot. <laughs> Yeah, but he's playing high rollers. Yeah, so our buy-in, our buy-in at the moment is capped at 10k and under. But I mean, if he's playing, oh, okay, so you do have a cap the, on the buy-in. If he's playing 25k heads up, I'm sure that'll get in there too. Well, you have to specify. Yeah, we'll we'll talk right. about it. I don't know if he's playing it or not. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I would I would specify those things. Obviously, there's a lot of small details to iron out, but I I, I think you guys have plenty of time to figure it out, and it's all going to be fun. This is a fun sweat for everybody at home. Um, you know, we've kind of lost the bracelet bets over the last 10 years or so. So like this, this finding variations of picking a handful of players out of the field and finding ways to cross book them is really fun. A pretty big side market has developed and, uh, it's kind of interesting because I'm not sure with the people who are getting money down, how they're going about it. Uh, I saw chance put out a tweet. I think he was looking to take a 10% cross book. Uh, between the two of you, or uh, maybe I'm fabricating 10%. I think it was up to 20%. Okay, I'm up to 20. I, I couldn't remember. I just knew he said less than 100. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that got filled by Dom, uh, if if I saw correctly in his timeline. Um, I know that uh, there are a bunch of other people betting. And it's unclear if 
there are people who are just taking this bet straight up as well. So I think that that side market also has presented itself where it's not a matter of like actually being involved in the crossbook, but just a matter of who's going to win the bet between you and Dnex. I think that's a lot of what it is. Yeah. Right. And a lot of that seems to be heavily favored towards Bex mm -hmm. because, you know, t poker Twitter, especially with Daniel kind of like signal boosting the whole thing, they're all kind of rallying behind their man. And to be fair, like I said this last week, I think, uh, I think Jeremy is one of the best things that can happen to live poker, specifically MTTs, uh, alongside like a bin win, um, and maybe a Jesse loan. It's like these guys having more of a face in the MTT realm when it was for so long, these high rollers that are just scrutinizing ICM and, you know, really trying to develop the perfect playbook for MTTs. Uh, it's nice. It's a breath of fresh air to see guys come out. that are just kind of like my version of work is just putting in a lot of volume live and winning a bunch of shit because 80% of the field is clueless. And the thing is, I think that's the common ground that everybody sits on, right? Like both you and JBEX are going to agree that 80% of your opponents are clueless, right? So now it just becomes a matter of how each of you approach vacuuming up the EV that the field is giving away. And you two have very, very conflicting approaches and styles to this, right? Like you're mm -hmm. going to be very studied, very sim heavy, uh, very much in the lab. He's probably doing some of that stuff as well, I'm sure. He doesn't have a computer. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. he has a phone. Um, so I'm, su I'm sure he's not naive to it, but he's also just going to be in the mix a lot. Dnegs actually made a, um, an interesting like throwback comparison, saying this is sort of like uh, this is sort of like Rocky Four, where <laughs> I love that he the they, fucking of course, Rocky of course he's <laughs> Bex is like yeah. the guy running out in the snow when picking up stones and like going like super old school, whereas <laughs> Landon's in the in the Landon's like, like using all the complicated equipment yeah. and all the different <laughs> techniques and just taking injections a trend you know of course he's gonna use that comparison because we know which one won yeah let me tell you <laughs> let me tell you the real underlying story no of rocky four what happened was you had a man who was on steroids <laughs> go up against another man who was on steroids <laughs> and the only difference was one the, was gonna die yeah, oh, no, that was uh I mean, the only difference Carlos. is where they chose to train. One of them decided he wanted to be in the snow with a log on his back, yep. and the other one wanted to be hooked up to a bunch of machines <laughs> and dialed in to perfect specs. Oh, there so, he is. Like, <laughs> yes, will sheer determination and will matter? Yeah, actually, because it's a long fucking seven week grind, and mm -hmm. like being able to show up and show out day in and day out for a lot of these events that may not feel that meaningful in the moment or being able to sustain long, long runs of just, you know, not doing shit. Like JBEX having to stave off the desire to fire the fucking win daily every day because he hasn't had a W in a few days, knowing that it won't count for the bet is going to take some patience and, and persistence, right? And the same holds true for Landon. Like, there hasn't really been a seven-week stretch outside of the WSOP where he's just grinding day in and day out. So there's some prep that goes into that. There's some conditioning that goes into that. You know, my first text to him was not hit the lab, learn your preflop, and get, get yourself, uh, you know, primed for a final table. I trust that he's doing that anyway, right? My text to him was, hey... Text the trainer, let him know exactly what you're, what you're leading up to right now and get yourself in physical and mental condition 
to be able to endure a seven-week grind. Right. Because that's going to matter so much, right? Not collapsing under the negative variance, not putting yourself in a position where you know, you're eating like shit for seven weeks because you were lazy leading up to it, not being in a position where you're heavier than you would like to be because you weren't, you know, you weren't putting in the effort into your diet and your lifestyle prior because you were so in the lab. There, there has to be, it's more important now, I think, to be balanced than it is to be balanced during those seven weeks. Maybe I think during read, those seven weeks, you can just like yeah. blinders on and fucking go. Maybe you, know? you should read uh, a, a Game Poker by Elliot Rowe. You, got, you guys are on the fucking clock. All right. <laughs> that book needs to be read. Yep. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of what you're talking about is in this book. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, I told Elliot that I probably don't need to do much reading. I could probably just peruse <laughs> it and get the gist. He's like, you're not going to find anything new. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm kind of curious what your plans are as far as uh, going into this whole thing and, you know, divulge as much as you like, but sure. um, it, it's interesting to me because, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's no bad blood between you two no. this isn't like some he's, sort of like, like my best friend hated now. rivalry he's like my best friend now i get the crossbook against his action against <laughs> daniel like he doesn't really lose much in the sense of he's kind of free rolling a pr statement where it's like if he wins he was like if he wins he was always supposed to win and if he loses it's like oh like you know like no problem like who, who really knows because right. in my case it's like oh like i already lost to perkins I mean, if i lose to perkins i lose this one too type thing and the funny thing about the difference of mtts and the small sample uh i guess crossbook versus something like the perkins thing was there's gonna be a lot more stuff out of my control in tournaments than there is in a, in a heads up prep mm -hmm. versus perkins yeah so which is mildly ironic where this time like the main call it lesson learned that happened prior to like pre-negotiation stuff was like i wasn't as prepared as i could have been so for this time it's like i want to be over prepared for mm -hmm. learning call it strategy learning call it like some in-game adjustments learning like call it lifestyle like health fitness whatever like making sure you can en endure uh the summer and you're also not putting yourself in such a huge hole to begin with like you did with with um yeah we're spot free perkins we're right? actually a dog yeah, like yeah. a public dog you know i got some action on me plus 110 that's kind of nice yeah um and mostly like those bets are like who's gonna cash for more because it's it's a cleaner bet yeah mm -hmm. i yeah, would yeah. imagine and i'm sure that after going through back and forth it's probably just gonna end up on caches as, as that does make a lot more sense don't get me started on kessler and what his idea um, of how to bet okay th this this guy listen if you want if you want the tortoise versus the chainsaw <laughs> that's Rivalry. the matchup if that's the matchup you want that's the matchup all right, we've listen, all been waiting listen, for listen okay like kessler like don't get me wrong the guy he's a smart guy right he's a really smart guy he has a very high iq but really smart people with high iqs say some dumb shit all the time I know, I do it all the time. Right. right? <laughs> As a fellow intellect okay, yourself. No, so, okay, so he says here, he says, I agree, Becker is a huge favorite. Okay? Huge. Which is, which key, is fine. He's word. completely entitled to his, his opinion. So he's a huge favorite. But then he says that if Landon loses, it's a huge setback for Saul for Y. Well, How said, is it? But wait, hold on. How is it a huge <laughs> setback for Saul for Y if Becker is the huge favorite to begin with? Right. And it's over a very, very small sample size. So, like, it doesn't even matter, like, who wins or who doesn't. It's not really proving anything. So, like, I, I, don't, I don't get where the hell he's coming His from. His sheer desire to ignore math was so frustrating to me because here's the thing. It's like... Say he's a huge favorite. That's fine. I, I was thrilled to see that. I'm just like, oh, that was my response. I go, how big is huge? Yeah. Are we talking 
a one and a half to one favorite a two to one favorite what are we thinking here alan right set a line for right. me guys 110 is not a huge favorite <clears throat> well even still i'll you know whatever like yeah plus 110 plus uh, one. i'm not betting i right so then he's just <laughs> like well it's laughable that you're asking for odds. Like, first of all, I'm not asking for odds. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to take advantage of the language that you're using. Yeah, you're the guy saying right. huge. Yeah, he's saying the whole the whole Soul for Y crew is asking for asking for odds. It's just like, what are you talking about he here? He's using this adjective of huge, as you see yeah. here. Huge uh, well, favorite. It's a huge setback. Right. What else is huge? The big thing. <laughs> the big thing is that I want to communicate is that uh, I'm not asking for odds, but by God, they're being presented. I'll fucking take them. <laughs> yeah, like if. If there is a collection of people out there that think Landon is a very large dog and they would like to make a wager Woof. and lay me a price, I'm, I'm listening. I, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I would like the part of that as well, Berkey. You know, I, I agree. Landon is not even money in this bet. No. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Slave to the sin. So, you know, plus 110, plus 120. I, I could be a buyer at those numbers. I guess it's funny because, like, we were talking earlier about the. I was mildly making a joke about like the more that I don't play live and the more that he like racks up FTs and wins, it's like better for the side market. But the action that I already have down is more than enough of what I need anyways. Right. That it's just like, no, like some of the <laughs> things that I should be doing and my biggest weakness in my overall call it poker career has been like taking the easy money, like mm-hmm. showing up and playing small live tournaments showing up and putting in volume in that regard because most of my volume has just been online. Yeah. Right. So like when it comes to Hendon mob or whatever, like Hendon doesn't count online caches, right. it doesn't count online results. Right. And shark scopes, not the greatest a metric for all those things. So it's just a matter of like, you know what, like this is a good opportunity for me to get into the habit of doing my job. Right. Yep. At this point now being like mostly into the MTTs, I still play cash here and there online from time to time. But like showing up and playing an 1100, showing up and playing a 1600, like after the pod, I'm going to go to the win and play like this 500 one day and then win million starts. And then there's probably another series going on in Vegas. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of putting in a mock WSOP grind, but it doesn't need to be as hard as, okay, here's your tournament, you bust, you got another one tomorrow. More so take the time you need to do these things, find time to like study a little bit if you can here and there. Find time to get in the gym and like get it like proper sleep and then come into WSOP just ready to do what I can. And it's one of these things where in this spot, it's a lot different than the Perkins challenge where I could be playing, call it, and study, call it the three months getting into it as the best poker player I could, I could become in this three month span and still just get absolutely waxed because, absolutely. He, because he wins two things yeah. and I lose two all ins. It's like, you know, like, not good for him in a bad way, but just like like good for you, you know. Like it's not about like hating the guy for for winning. Obviously, we're gonna anti sweat if he's like making a deep run. <laughs> like, after like, just like money just like he's gonna anti sweat when I make a deep run, you know. So yeah. it's like part of that mm-hmm. fun of like res- like respect to him, and also like we'll kind of see what happens. This is, I like this because this is like so different than the Berkey airball thing or these other like you know where it was just like heated and and you know people said a lot of bad things on one side and other people said a lot of bad things on the well, other yeah, side it's not, this it's is not just from a place this of is like kinda, hate right? right this is just like a like a it's mutual a like yeah. yeah it's like hey the friendly competition essentially it's cool because yeah. like like daniel's saying we do have different philosophies when it comes to mm-hmm. how to become great at right. poker you know and sure there's, there might be a difference of being great at like 
high rollers or being great at like smaller stakes live events, you know, like those are different conversations, <clears throat> but point being the philosophy of, for me, I like learning how the, how the game works in its call it highest form. Like as we use the solve to justify and check our decision-making process. And then for him, it's more of the <clears throat> empirical, I just need to win this hand. I need to figure out how I can do that. I need to figure out how to not lose the most when I have a hand that gets coolered type of situation. So like there really is like this middle ground that we both are where it exists. It's just about how do both of us try to get to that point and to what extent are we making the efforts to do that? Yeah. And that's great for you guys. Mm -hmm. And for the rest of us, we just all want to be on the sharp side. Yeah. So <laughs> anybody who wants to slide in my DMs offering me uh, Landon plus a number, uh, hit me up. I, I will back the truck up on anything above evens. Uh, Can I get a little piece of that, Burke? Oh, of course. Spread the wealth. Um, and yeah, big shout out to Alan. Thank you for uh, giving your uneducated <laughs> opinion once again, as, uh, as you tend to do. Huge opinion. Huge. Man, what is worse than the chainsaw corner these days? I, I mean, it's just like, <laughs> it's like the worst version of, you know what grinds my gears? <laughs> uh, all right. Speaking of, uh, we have our final Twitter Tuesday poll going up this week before our uh, awards that we're going to be giving out. I think oh, who's involved. <laughs> We're either going to do this Thursday or Friday. And uh, it's no coincidence. It's going to be a big shout out to the chainsaw himself. Uh, the best Alan Kessler complaint mm. is up for your vote. We have four options. It's a $2 bread that's too expensive. <laughs> Chicago pizza is disgusting. Your Hendon mob sucks. This one's going to be a big favorite. Or finally... Just the sheer existence of the Casino King. <laughs> even him existing at all in any sort of way, shape, or form. Uh, that really grinds Alan's gears. What'd you vote for? Uh, I went you, for the Your Head and Mob Sucks. Yeah, me too. It's, it's really hard. I mean, I, what... It was, it, was the, it was the big favorite when I Well, it was on just too. one of those things where it's like, God bless him, but to not have any idea who, uh, who Graf... Can never graph pronounce tackle. graph tackle, yeah. Uh, to have no idea who he is and just how fucking elite he is, mm -hmm. and then just you know basically say like your head and mob's a fucking joke, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. How about I bang off? Yeah. A couple million? How about that changes immediately? Yeah. Uh, I kind of like the Alan's on his side, good. you know. You know, like Alan, like basically mushed graph tackle to having a sick summer, mm. the sickest, and he's doing the same thing here. Yeah, the sickest. Uh, Alan's like my best friend too. JVX and, and, and right, Kessler, like my boys. Right before he did this to you, he did it to Scott Baumstein. He said after Scott won like uh, his second ring or something, and one of the articles says uh, a crusher wins his second ring, and Alan's like, "How is he a crusher if he only has two rings?" <laughs> Bro, I got Scott got second in the fucking 10K. Baumstein, yeah. fucking mush me, man. I got no rings. I got no bracelets. I got <laughs> no yeah. money. No hope. <laughs> A lot of final tables and nothing to show for it. Just feel free to, at any point, mush me. You do have your only friends. I do have my only friends, and I appreciate you guys. And on that note, I want to take a beat. <laughs> you snuck that Fuck. one in. Fuck. You snuck that one in. Where did you, where did you watch the run of show. Where did you think we were going? Let's take a beat. Today, I want to take a beat and I want to discuss the WSOP legacy. Every summer, pros and amateurs alike fly into Vegas from all over the world with visions of grandeur. 
Certainly, the motivations vary from person to person. For some, it's just about the money. For others, it's about the experience. A single opportunity to brush elbows with players and influencers that they've followed from day one. No matter what your motivation to step foot in the arena is, competing for a WSOP bracelet is to compete to etch your name in poker history forever. The WSOP is a special time of year for all poker players, professionals and amateurs alike. Coming up, we all stared in wonderment, nose pressed against the glass of Bobby's room, <laughs> watching hundreds of thousands exchange hands amongst elite pros. We brushed elbows through the halls of Rio with larger-than-life characters running from event to event, attempting to add another bracelet to their legacy. Helmuth, Negranu, Ivy, Mercier, Seidel, and Doyle. The list goes on, and we have stories we all have stories from the first time that we bumped into one of these characters waiting in line to purchase the $13 banana. <laughs> I too often forget what it was like as that 510 grinder who came out here to take a shot, sitting with case money, daydreaming of the day when I'd be competing at the highest stakes for more than just money, but to etch my name in poker history as well and generate a legacy. Last week, we discussed what our predictions were for this year's schedule, and I took a pretty hard stance against the smallest buy-ins being featured. Generally, I don't appreciate when companies, rake, when companies run rake traps that stress the overall system that they've built, specifically when that system happens to be one of the most prestigious series of events in our industry's history. That being said, I think it's important to contextualize the World Series' place in the current poker landscape. As any elite company should, the WSOP has evolved with changing times. And while I may yearn for the days when every single elite player in the world was in attendance for a quote-unquote summer school, the community has simply changed. The competition amongst all of the Vegas properties, not to mention the addition of the EPT, has made it such that the best of the best just have too many options and are more inclined to specialize than they ever were before. The WSOP isn't necessarily a showcase of our best and brightest any longer, but rather it's a convention that's open to the public to both compete against and brush elbows with thousands of other poker lovers. I understand the appeal of the small buy-in experience, and I believe the WSOP deserves all the credit in the world for serving players at all buy-in levels. Though there is a small part of me that still believes the lower the buy-in, the more the WSOP legacy takes a hit, I also think that any dilution of the brand that may occur is quickly neutralized by the thousands of enthusiasts who experience their first taste of the WSOP magic. No other series in the history of our game garners the same attention, hype, or scrutiny as the WSOP. From bracelet bets to player of the year races, we're all locked in and we're following every single storyline as they unravel. This year, 99 players will have what amounts to a once-in-a-lifetime achievement for most. And though my visions of grandeur have long since changed, I'm still delusional enough to hope that I can be one of the chosen ones. That's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Let us know who you got in the JBEX Landon WSOP Crossbook. We'll be back tomorrow. Tentatively, we're going to be back at noon Pacific, but there's a chance I get a seat in Bobby's room, in which case we'll be here in the evening. Be sure to tune into our socials at onlyfriends underscore pod. Go vote for the worst Kessler moment of the year, the worst Kessler take of the year, whatever it is. Uh, we'll see you guys all tomorrow. Peace. Peace.